are continuing our series this morning, and we're adding verse 9. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Thanks, Kelly. Good morning, everybody. What a good day it is. Look, you can see the sun. It's, the sun is shining, which is very, uh, very nice. Um, let's pray, shall we? God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for this opportunity that we have together to worship you, Father. I thank you for uh, the music that you've allowed us to sing already this morning to proclaim truth about who you are, Father. I thank you for the sunshine um, that just brings excitement to us, Father. I I pray that we would center around your word and your truth this morning. You are the giver of good gifts, Father, like sunshine and like uh, your son Jesus, Father. Lord, I pray you would allow us to, to see your son this morning as the ultimate peacemaker in our lives and in our hearts and, Lord, the ultimate sinner of us that you would, you've send, uh, sent us out into our worlds to make the peace that you've made with us. Thank you so much for Jesus. It's in his name. Amen. Um, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. I want to read something over you just for a second and then... Uh, dig into some some scripture in Ephesians about this passage. Um, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God, is this idea that God has made peace with you through the death of his son, and that peace is a lasting, steadfast, and immovable peace. God's made peace with you through the death of his son, and that peace is a lasting, immovable, steadfast peace. When you begin to understand the peace that's been made between you and God, you're beginning to become a peacemaker. And when you're becoming a peacemaker, you're reflecting the fact that you are a son of God. So blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. mean this, when we connect with the peace that Jesus made between us and God, we start to become peacemakers. The forgiven are the best forgivers. Does that make sense? The forgiven are the best forgivers. When we understand the the extent of the peace that God has made with us, then the natural response to that for us is to go out and make peace. And when we do that, we are reflecting our God. And that's this so that we for us to be called sons of God is just meaning that, that we are reflections of God. We are God's children. We look like He looks. And part of that looks like for us to go into our world making peace. Um, I want you, as we begin at the the top of the sermon this this morning, to think about someone or a group of someones or uh, people who tend to do this particular thing that bring great frustration to you. Um, And maybe even tomorrow morning when you're driving in the car to work, think about people that frustrate you. Likely someone will frustrate you while you're driving to work tomorrow. But I want you to think about this idea that, that and it's as simple as driving in traffic helps you to remember 
that God has made peace with you, the frustration that, that you've brought, he has made peace with that. Um, when you are a peacemaker, you look like God. But I, I want us to, to see again, blessed, and we've said this, I think, in every sermon in the series, blessed means happy, blessed means satisfied, blessed means full, blessed, blessed means complete, blessed means you're not lacking in anything that you were intended to have to make you happy. You are completely and utterly satisfied. So the path to your satisfaction is to make peace the way that Jesus has made peace with you. And then you begin to reflect God's image in you. I want to say, uh, this is going to be on the screen for the duration of the sermon now. Uh, When you realize the extent of the peace you have, you are a peacemaker. The extent of the peace in terms of the relationship that it affords... And the extent, the extent of the peace in terms of the depth of the offense. And, like, I feel like my, my biggest job and the biggest voice that I have as a pastor, the thing that I'm saying all the time, is you have peace with God because of who Jesus is. And when we think deeply about that, we begin to understand all that that affords to us. You have complete and utter access to God all the time, no matter what. Jesus has, has won that for you. You have peace in terms of the, the relationship that that affords. Holy God who created the universe and designed you to be in perfect abiding relationship with him. Everything that you need for that is yours as a, as, as a, as a possession. And when you come to grips with that on a daily basis, when you fully understand the peace that you have with God because of Jesus... You can't help but be a peacemaker. The forgiven are the best forgivers. And then the second piece of that, you understand you, the extent of the peace in terms of the depth of the offense. There's a deep and utter brokenness that you've caused by your sin in your relationship with God. So two things. The relationship that we have and the, the extent of the depth of the offense that you've created to, to bring division. Turn to Ephesians chapter 2. And this is not going to be on the screen, and it's not going to be on the screen very intentionally because I want us to dive deeply into Ephesians chapter 2. If you don't have a Bible uh, on your phone, uh, there's Bibles in the back, and we'd love to to have you have one of those. So so today is less of a a sermon, more of a Bible study. We're going to look deeply at a few verses in Ephesians chapter 2 with the idea, the understanding, the intent that we're going to try to understand this peace that God has given to us. Starting in verse 12 of Ephesians 2. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope without God in the world. I want you to look closely at that verse. This sets up the separation. And look at, look at the, the, the defining words about you here. You were separated. You were alienated. You were a stranger. You had no hope, and you were without God. Um, like the point of your existence, the the most satisfied that you are capable of being is when you are in relationship with God. 
We have lots of stuff in this world that we want to chase that we think will make us satisfied. But the point is that the most satisfied that you can ever be and will ever be is when you are connected with God. And before Christ, this is truth of you. Separated, alienated, strangers, no hope and without. Like, I want you to consider the depth and and the strength of those words. Um, And... This is, I'm, I'm glad, Josh, that you made this a celebratory day, because this is like, when, when we come to grips with this brokenness, and then we come to grips with, with what God has done to change us, what Christ has done to change us, to have hope, to not be strangers, all these things, it, it can't help but bubble up in us this, this sense of, of celebration, and, and the, the part that, so Ephesians 2, the, the verses that we're talking about, are, are explaining the brokenness and the peace that we have. But the difference that Matthew 5, 9 tells us and brings to us is that because of that peace, God is sending you to be Christ in your world. And like, I, one of the things that I want to, I've said many times, but I want to say again, I want you to hear me say to you, is that there's someone in this world who you are uniquely qualified, uniquely gifted, uniquely related to, that no one else in the world is related to in the way that you are. The voice that you have, the opportunity that you have to speak to someone in this world is unique to only you. And the call of Jesus Christ on your life is you are to, be, to bring peace to that person. In such a way that the extent of the peace in terms of the relationship that affords, the, the extent of the peace in terms of the depth of the offense. The, this is the peace that God is calling you to bring to that person. As Jesus has done to you, so you go and be in your world. But let's look back at verse 12. Remember that you were at that time separated. You were alienated. You were strangers. You had no hope and you were without God in the world. Verse 13, perhaps the, the best two words that you'll hear today, but now. If, if, we're, if, like, if we really believe that we were created, you were created to be in perfect, abiding, beautiful, intense, and intimate relationship with God. These are the best because this is now, you, you are afforded the peace of Christ. And this is to understand the relationship of verse 12 and for, verse 13 are the motivators that send you to go out and be peace. You were strangers, alienated, separated from Christ. But now, in Christ, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Um, this is when I wish I was a different kind of pastor and uh, pastoring a different kind of church because I want to stand up on a chair and like this is this is incredible the news that's here but now in Christ you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ Christ 
Like, this is the best news that's ever happened, that's ever been spoken. Your sin is gone from you. It, you've been brought near. And, and this is, a, like, I, I need us all to know and experience and feel and proclaim this and preach and learn to preach this to our own hearts. That God has satisfied anything that's between us. And then if that's the truth, if that's the truth, if, if your sin has been put away, if God has made peace with you through the blood of Jesus Christ and there's no more offense and we understand the extent of the offense that we've done to God, if God has really done that to us, how does that have to change the way that we interact with people? If you hold a grudge, shame on you. This is the peace that God has given to you is the peace that God has sent you with. Do you know that God has given you Jesus Christ? And part of the point of him giving Jesus Christ to you is his method to reach the world with Jesus, to go and be Jesus. And our world is full of, our religious world is full of of blocks to this. You can come to Jesus if you act like this. If you dress like this, if you believe these things, if you don't believe these things, if you don't, there's so much that God wants to say to, to you that, and, and for you to be sent with his peace, understanding the, the extent of the peace that God has given to you. But now in Christ Jesus, you who are once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Verse 14, for he himself is our peace. Who is your peace? This is, by the way, this is not rhetorical, and it's an easy, easy answer. All right? I'm going to say it, and I'm going to ask the question, and as many of you can, can sh- say the answer, and even if you want to say it loudly, even shout it. All right? Don't feel dumb, because it's the easiest answer you can ever have in church. All right? Who is your peace? Jesus, that's right. He himself is your peace. Jesus is your peace. And what he's calling you to do is to go and take that peace into your world, to to sprinkle little bits of Christ all over your world. He has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. That is a, that's a powerful phrase. Christ, because he is our peace, because he's a possession that we have, he has made us both one. Anyone that you are at odds with, at war with, God has broken down that wall through the blood of Christ. And he has broken down the dividing wall of hostility. Those are dividing like we're meant to be in relationships. Even the, the most introverted person in this room, there's something about a deep relationship that's, even if like we all just have one person that we're in deep relationship with, God intends for you to be in real, interpersonal, known, intimate relationships. And what Christ has done is allowed that to happen. He's torn down a dividing wall. And, and even like, I, I love my wife desperately. 
And one of the things that I want to do as your pastors is to live a, a transparent life showing you how much I love my wife. And the, the greatest sermon that I'll ever preach is how I treat her. And I want everyone to see that. I want that to be on display. But I can tell you that there are frustrating times between the two of us. And there are dividing walls that come up. There are things about my heart that I don't want her to know about. There's a, there's a brokenness about us sometimes. Dividing walls of hostility that pop up. Division that happens. And I don't ever want to be divided from her. But what Christ has done when he sent us as peacemakers is we are actively participating in the tearing down of the dividing walls. Do you, do you know that? Like I think some of us, by virtue of be, having been in this church for a while, can understand that we, we connect with Jesus has torn down the dividing wall of hostility. But what Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. What Jesus is calling us to be in that moment is to go and be Jesus in our world, to tear down dividing walls. And I'm afraid, as religious people, sometimes we're better at building dividing walls than we are tearing them down. Intentional pause. He said parenthetically. Verse 15. He did this by abolishing the law of the commandments expressed in the ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in the place of two. God is about creating for himself. And I want, you, I want to stop for just a second and say, give some context to the book of Ephesians. Uh, Ephesus is a city. And it's a city of, of great cultural relevance, and it's also a city of great cultural uh, diversity. There's economic and racial and so social diversity in Ephesus. There, the, what he's speaking to directly here, there are Gentiles, people outside of that, that aren't Jews, and then the Jews making up this church. These people who their entire lives have been taught and been spent telling their children that that is our enemy. On both sides, the Jews said the Gentiles are your enemy. The Gentiles said the Jews are your enemy. And these people are now in the same church together trying to operate. And in a city filled with racial diversity, filled with social diversity, filled with economic diversity, believing lots of different things, being taught from the, their birth lots of different things. This is the context to whom Paul is writing here. Now, understanding that, understand this. That Christ has abolished the law and the commandments. That for the purpose, God has torn down the wall of hostility for the purpose of making what was two, one. Whatever, whatever, whoever the frustrating person in it is, is in your life, to be a peacemaker, to reflect the character of God, to be Jesus, to take Jesus into your culture and to your society is to tear down the dividing wall of hostility between you and that person, to you and those people. This is the heart of what Matthew 5, 9 is teaching you. Blessed are the peacemakers. And he's talking to a very particular church, verse 16, and might reconcile us both to God. Reconcile is to restore relationship to what it's intended for. 
God's purpose is to restore the relationship to what it was intended to be. And he's given us that message to go with. To reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. Um, Killing is a strong word. It's an active word. It's a violent word. And it's something that we need to be continually focused on. We need to be continually focused on with one another. Helping one another kill the hostility that's in their hearts. You have hostility in your heart towards people, towards people groups, towards particular persons. And God intends for us to live in community as one body, as one fellowship, for the purpose of helping us, all of us, kill those hostilities. Verse 17. And he came and preached peace to you who are far off and and preached peace to those who are near. Through whom, through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. Access. Access is a word that's been very near to my heart lately. A um, little over a week ago, my car was warming up in the street. And uh, I, I think most of you know this already. Um, 7.15 every morning, I go out, start my car when it's cold. 7.20, I go out, get in the car, and drive me to school. And... At some point between 7.15 and 7.20, somebody decided they would help themselves to my car and drove it away um, and haven't seen it since. Um, you know, it's, it's not as... Everybody's been like, oh, lots of, lots of questions about your car. Are you really sad? Are you, what's, what's going on? No, you know, whatever, no big deal. But what's scary, what, the scariest part to me was that my keys were in that car and my car was parked right in front of my house. So somebody who's clearly not afraid to steal something, has my keys and knows where I live. And I'm freaked out that this person, this thief, has access to my house. And there's six or seven hours every day where there's no one there. They can come and do whatever they want to in my house. They have access. So I stayed home that day and that he went out and I changed the locks on my door because I don't want them to have access to whatever they can walk into my house anytime they wanted to which is even worse to think that my family is in there you know I, I want to protect that I want to protect that that's what's what's there I don't want people to have access you through Christ have access at any time. I feel like I say that so much that it loses its um, poignancy. Loses its power. Because of Christ, you have access to God. Verse 19. So then... You are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Go back to verse 12. You're no longer an alien. You're a citizen. You're no longer separated. You're united. You're no longer a stranger. You're intimate. 
You no longer do not have hope, but you're filled with hope. You're no longer without God, but you are with God. This is what God has done for you through Christ. And more than that, this is what God is sending you with because of Christ. Verse 20, he goes back to talking about a foundation of a church. Again, this is not just for the Christian. This is for the Christian living a life within a church, within a church that's within a city filled with diversity. He says that you are built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, the scriptures. Jesus Christ himself being the cornerstone, the foundation of who we are as a body. He's not talking to just a specific person anymore. He's talking to a diverse church in a diverse city. He says you are built the foundation of who you are as a body, as a group, is Christ. And the foundation of Christ is bringing, breaking down dividing walls of hostility, bringing access to God the Father, telling people that they have access to God. This is your call. This is our call as a church in a diverse community. Verse 21, Christ Jesus in whom, that's talking about Jesus, in, in Christ, the whole structure, everything that we are, is joined together and grows into a holy temple of the Lord. When we see temple in Scripture, especially in the New Testament, it's not talking about a place where people go to have church. It's talking about the place where God dwells. Jesus is creating a structure, being joined together as one. We are one, a place where God dwells. In him, you are also being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. All of this, all of Christ's stuff that he's done, everything that he's done, everything that that we've just spoken and you've just thought about, the purpose of it is to bring us all together as one so that we can bring this peace to our world, to say to the world what Jesus has done in our hearts and in our lives. And again, like I said at the beginning, and I've said many times, you are uniquely gifted, uniquely qualified, uniquely related to someone. Some of us have probably five or six or seven people that we have a unique voice in their life. But at least, every one of us have at least one person that you have the ability to speak to more than anyone else that's ever walked the face of this earth. And the message that of this sermon this morning, the message of Christ in Matthew chapter 5, is to go and bring his peace to them. That's your call. That's who we are as a church. To be united as one, to go and be sent as one, because the forgiven are the best forgivers. So go and be that. Let's pray and respond to our God. Thank you so much, Jesus, for breaking down the dividing wall of hostility. Father, I pray in a culture where it's so easy to cling to and build dividing walls. Lord, that we would tear them down as you have torn down. And Father, I I pray that you would allow us to just sit on, on the truth of what you're calling us to 
God, I pray you would give us someone or something or some message clearly this morning to go and, and be a peacemaker. And Father, would, would we understand that as we go and, make, and, and be peacemakers, as you have been a peacemaker to us, as we do that, Father, that is the path to complete satisfaction for our souls. Help us to understand that. Lord, teach us that it's good and it's right to pursue our own happiness. When we find our happiness in you, God, I pray that you would convict my heart. I pray that you would convict the hearts of those in this room of relationships where we have failed as peacemakers. God, help us to understand the extent of the offense that we've given to you and help us to understand the extent of the forgiveness that you've given to us, Father. And Lord, may we take that understanding into our world and forgive and bring your peace. And may we use words like united and intimate and hopeful rather than strangers, aliens, without hope, without you. God, I thank you for your son, Jesus. And I thank you for this church, all of her flaws and beauties. Thank you for these people. Thank you for this time and this place and these people and this message. Thank you for Jesus. It's in his name. Amen.